0: I want to welcome everyone here again tonight. It's good to be back with you together for another opportunity to open God's Word and learn what God has to say to the world. Gathering together multiple times on Sunday and throughout the week oftentimes would seem strange. We have so many options, so many things to do. But I would encourage us, as Jacob does on a regular basis on Sunday night. Let us look for more opportunities to get together and study God's Word. Satan, the warning of Satan in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, that he's walking around as a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour, is never going to stop. And each of us can help one another be more prepared and ready to combat this ever-present motive. As most of you know, uh, Ben... Jacob and I uh, took the kids on a little adventure, went fishing and camping excursion on an island. It was a lot of fun. We all labored, we all had chores to do. We were all working, setting up camp, catching dinner, preparing dinner, cooking, breaking down camp. There were important and vital lessons that occurred over the last few days, but there was one lesson one important lesson that I could not stop thinking about. And as I'm sure you can imagine what it is from our scripture reading this morning, I'd like us to call our attention to the disciple call that Jesus made, first to Simon and um, Andrew, James, and then John, that we need or that they were to be fishers of men. What Jesus was talking or asking these men to do with the focus will be an important part, will be the focus of our study tonight. As those who have counted the costs and have committed their lives to Christ, we know that the example that we're to imitate is Jesus Christ, as we see from Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Luke 19, 10 states, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. What an important and powerful statement made by Jesus. The purpose of Jesus' life can be summed up in this one statement and is ultimately culminated on the cross. And while we are not called to be crucified in this manner, we are called to the message that's here in Luke 19, and verse 10 and that is to seek and save the lost. This call is given to the disciples. This call to us is not only through the call that we're going to study here in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, but it's the same call that we see in the parable of the sowers that our children studied in their last class. But we also see this with Paul. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul is pleading to those in Corinth, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. We're to imitate Christ. So by that, we too are to be those that seek to, to seek and save the lost. This is what Simon, Andrew, James, and John did with their responses to the call of Uh, to be fishers of men. They sought to imitate Jesus and seek and save the lost and become fishers of men. But how can we imitate Jesus if we are not actively seeking those that are lost and teaching them? We can't. We must actively look for opportunities at all times to teach those around us we have the most important message that has ever existed there's nothing more special nothing more valuable and we know and understand the consequences if people do not obey the gospel message so tonight let's look at matthew i'm sorry mark chapter 1 and verse 17 and look and see three distinct aspects of this verse. The first is how Jesus calls to um, Simon and Andrew. He says, follow me. That is not in the form of a question. That is in the form of a command. Jesus did not ask them to give a two-week notice, to contemplate their other options first, He commanded Simon and Andrew. And then if we just read a few verses later, James and John and us today to follow him. Jesus didn't talk to men like other men would. He taught and spoke differently. He is the son of God. He spoke with authority and people noticed. We see this in Matthew chapter 7 verses 28 through 29. I did not put that up here. Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 through 29. And it was so when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 through 29. Others of the world may ask, why did these men do this? Did they not have their own free will? Could they not have considered this? They gave up everything that they had worked so hard to obtain. Fishing was the main business in the Sea of Galilee. Surely these men had investments into the nets, into the boats, into the relationships. Jesus didn't perform a miracle he didn't have a sign. He doesn't beg these men. But he spoke to them with authority. They recognized who was speaking, and they followed Jesus. This is a repeated point throughout all scriptures. Following after Jesus is not only a command, but it comes with a cost. For Simon, Andrew, James, and John, they pivoted from being in the physical fishing business to enter the spiritual fishing business. For us all, there is a cost to discipleship. Let's look at what passages on the screen. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, "'Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, "'but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head.' "'Then he said to another, "'Follow me.' "'But he said, "'Lord, let me first go and bury my father.' "'In verse 60, Jesus said to him, "'Let the dead bury their own dead, "'but you go and preach the kingdom of God.' "'And another also said, "'Lord, I will follow you, "'but let me first go and bid them farewell, "'who are at my house.' But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We must obey the command and be willing to forsake everything else for God. Just like we saw with Simon, Andrew, James, and John. We do not need to have the heart so many that rejected God and argued against him. We see this in Romans chapter 9 verses 20 and 21 where it says, But indeed, O man, Who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? We cannot forget that we are the created and that we have been what we have been created for. Simon, Andrew, James, and John, They knew who was the creator when Jesus commanded them to follow me. Will we? Will we take this command seriously for those that have obeyed the gospel? Is this what we are doing on a daily basis for those yet to obey the gospel, for those still learning? There will be a day. There will be a day when you have to come to realize that Jesus has said, to follow me. Are we willing to forsake all for that? Next, let us understand that to be fishers of men, Jesus, which Jesus is commanding, it's not something we can do ourselves. Notice what Jesus says after he commands them to follow him. I will make you fishers of men. We are not here to do this alone. We see this in Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 6, where we can read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. These four men, the first four called by Jesus, they understood what was being said here in Proverbs They followed and did not lean on their own understanding. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we see another important part and aspect of Jesus saying, I will make you that Jesus will be with them. Let's look at Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. We do not make up our own teachings we're teaching what god wants us to teach and look at the end of the verse and he is with us always what comfort that statement is let us now look at matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 matthew chapter 5 13 through 16 notice what it says here you are the salt of the earth that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We need to appreciate why we are the salt and the light. It doesn't matter how much schooling you take, how many theological classes you attend, how many years you study under some of the great preachers of our day or days past, that will not make you what it, the salt of the earth or the light of the world. It is the Word of God that achieves that goal. It matters how much we study the Word of God, how much we are dedicated to learning the truths that are in it, not only to transform our lives, but to talk to others and teach them when we have opportunity. We are only the messenger. And notice what it says in this verse. All of this is done for the glory of the Father in heaven. Not for us to gain a name, not for us to be quoted by others, but it is done so that God is given the glory, the honor, and the praise. Thirdly, let's look at the end of the verse. Follow me, a command, and I will make you. Jesus, through his word, gives us all we need to be equipped to become fishers of men. Let's again go back to Matthew chapter 28, and this time let's look at verse 19 as the point of emphasis. Verse 19 Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Making disciples is key in this passage. This ties everything back to God's command to make Simon, Andrew, James, and John fishers of men. There's a saying, a proverb that many of us have heard. Give a man a fish and feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. That is the point being made here. To make disciples of all the nations. This is the root of what God called them to do, to be fishers of men. God didn't say, Go, make converts that sit in a chair or a pew, listen to sermons that are programmed, and never learn anything yourselves. That's not the command given in verse 19. The command given in verse 19 is to make disciples. What is the difference? Disciples are those who learn, who obey, and then who continue to make other disciples. This is what it means to truly be fishers of men. And this is also what we saw in Luke 19 and verse 10 just a few moments ago. That is seeking and saving the lost. That is imitating what Jesus asked us to do. And just like our boys had an excitement to just make one more cast, because that could be the one. That could be the one where the fish bites and they get to reel it in. Let's notice what Paul says in looking for opportunities. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Colossians 4, 2 through 4. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make manifest as I ought to speak. Do we pray for opportunities like Paul is here? We should. Every morning, this should be our prayer. Every night, When we go to bed, we should pray for the next day, to have opportunities. Now I want to look at a few lessons that we can apply to our lives from this verse. The first lesson is that we need to proclaim the Word wherever we go and with whomever we meet. This is what a fisherman does. I think sometimes our our kids with our fishing boat and our spinner cast, Uh, have a different idea of fishing. Um, Ben accidentally, this was not planned, I, I did not ask him to bring a net, but he demonstrated for us what fishing was like more in these times. They didn't have GPS systems, underboat sonar that can see fish activity. They would just continue to cast the nets over the side of the boat. Were they always successful? No. Were we always successful? No, but we sure kept casting. Remember Simon and Peter after the Lord had been killed and raised from the dead? Let's look at John chapter 3, or sorry, John chapter 21, verses 3 through 6. In John chapter 21, starting in verse 3, we read, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. We would expect this of Simon. He had spent a long time of, or a large part of his life doing this. They said to him, we are going with you also. Then they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Thankfully, Friday night, we did catch a little. But that night they, ca- they fished all night long and they caught nothing. Verse 4. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Do we see the same attitude of Simon from not that long ago when he was called to be fisher of men? When Jesus commanded him to follow me? Simon Peter may not have recognized the physical appearance of Jesus, but he followed the command he was given. What if they would have said, we fished all night, there's not going to be any fish. What's going to do to cast one more time? We would read later in verse 11 that the multitude of fish was counted to be 153 fish in their net, and it did not break. Similar to the parable of the sower, we need to be willing to spread the gospel. We must be willing to cast the net. We need to be workers. It's not easy or a lazy path that we've been called to, but it is the only path. Secondly, we must avoid the temptation to judge the person prior to sharing the gospel. We must be willing to share it every one. Does a fisherman say I only want to cast catch bass fish and just not any bass. I'm not going to cast that lure into that water unless it's going to be and attract a largemouth bass and you know what I'm not going to cast this lure if it's a largemouth bass if it's not 24 inches long minimum. And you know what's even more? It just doesn't need to be 24 inches. It's got to have some meat on that fish. Because, I mean, filleting a fish, it's a lot of work. It's just not efficient to catch the little guys. So I'm not going to cast that lure unless the fish is a minimum of 24 inches and weighs a minimum of four pounds. That sounds quite absurd. But in life, Have we made those determinations? I'm not going to talk to this person. Do you know anything about that person? Do you know if they would accept the gospel message if you just opened your mouth and shared it with them? As absurd as it sounds, when we think about it from a fishing perspective, it sounds just It's even more absurd when we think about the message we have, the treasure that we know, and we do not talk to others. Let's look at Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. This is the parable of the sower. We've all read it a bunch of times, but let's think about it in the context of what we've been called to do, and that is to be fishers of men. Mark 4, starting in verse 1. And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him. So that he got into his boat and sat in on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables, and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell on the wayside, And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it scorched, and became, and because it had no root, withered away. Verse 7, And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop and sprang up increased and produced, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. It's not very different from the example we have of a fisherman casting his net. We have no distinction or no commandment in scriptures to judge where we're going to cast our net or where we are going to sow the seed. We are commanded to do both continuously. Thirdly, a fisherman's job is to prepare the nets for casting them. For us, we must be prepared for when we have opportunities that we can take them. This is taught probably no better than in 1 Peter chapter, one, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 16, where we can read, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduit and conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Are we ready to give a defense and explanation to those asking questions? We must be ready to work. What would have happened if Simon Peter had, not grab, or had grabbed a net full of holes the night he went out to fish that we read just moments ago? Let's ask this question another way. It's because we're not ready to give an answer, that we're not doing what God has asked us to do. We must be ready. There are no options but to be prepared. In Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 29, we are taught a very important lesson as well. Let's read. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. Verse 29. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Jesus didn't want an answer that was given by the reason of man. He was looking to the answer and the reasoning that would only be found in God. Let's be careful where we go and seek the answers to our questions. There's a lot of bad information Written extremely well by intelligent men. We must be careful. When we're ready to give an answer, it must be from God's Word. And it's not going to happen by just sitting here on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night. It's not even going to happen just by the readings we do daily in our households. We have to study. This takes effort. Are we willing to do what God has asked us to do? In conclusion of this, I want to ask us, how can we all be better evangelists? This is not a job just for someone with the designation of deacon, elder, or preacher. This lesson, this command, is for all of us. I've been in too many places Too many times where I've heard if just the population growth would head our way, we would grow. If we could just get a preacher, a full-time preacher dedicated to us, we will grow. It is up to us all. So let's look at a few things to help prepare us all to be better evangelists and to follow the command and all be classified as fishers of men. First... And along these lines, all of us have been called. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 through 38. He Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his harvest. We need to be the laborers. There's a reason I love the song, Worker. Um, that we are to be the workers of the Lord. That is because it describes very shortly and concisely our focus and attitude of life. It reminds me every time we sing that song that we need to be more committed to the task that we've been called to do. Next, let's look everywhere and try. I think about Joanne nearly every day. And I'm so grateful for this group. Willingness to host a community Bible study and to do all the things we did leading up to that. And I pray for our efforts coming up in just a few short months. And that includes sending out mailers. (laughs) I've been with a lot of groups that would have said something to the effect. That's not part of what we've always done. Or, we've tried that once before, and it didn't produce anything. Let's not, let's not do that. I've heard others say, that, that could make some feel uncomfortable. Let's not, let's not try that. No scriptural, obviously everything under the authority and scriptures of God, but these were statements that I've heard. We didn't do that. And we were blessed to meet Joanne and to see someone who was looking. And what a great example of not to judge a book by its cover even after the first meeting. She had a question and when she asked it, she did not hesitate to respond. We need to be willing to look everywhere and to try. In John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, we read, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. We're going to bring our attention in conclusion here tonight to the Samaritan woman found at the well, please all turn to John chapter four. This is where it's where going to be the bulk of our attention as we conclude. Notice in verse four, what Jesus says. But he needed to go through Samaria. Jews, whom Jesus was, they didn't go through Samaria. They went around Samaria. They did not associate with Samaritans. It was no accident Jesus mentioned the good Samaritan as the focal point in his parable. Let's continue. Let's look in verse 7. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. We know that that's not the right passage. I I brought down the wrong verse. I apologize. I'm going to read. I I copied the wrong thing. Let's go to John. I'm going to go to John chapter four. I'll correct that before we get it posted. John chapter 4, 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw near water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jews did not have dealings with Samaritans. But Jesus went beyond that. Normally, the men did not approach the women in this time. And furthermore, they definitely didn't approach an immoral Samaritan woman, who we're going to learn about here just shortly. This isn't the first time Jesus went out of his way to put himself in a position to teach those that needed to hear the gospel message. Luke chapter 5 and verse 30. And I did get this one right, so it looks like it was just one. Luke chapter 5, verse 30. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? There are other examples, but the important lesson for us is we need to look everywhere and try. That does not mean we join in the activity of the immoral world. But we are the light and we are called to spread the gospel. Next, let us work to find the way back to the Bible, to scriptures. We saw how Jesus approached a woman who was immoral and a Samaritan. All things a proper Jew would have nothing to do with. But let's look verses 10 through 14. Back on track. Luke, sorry, John 4, 10 through 14. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would fast him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? from asking the Samaritan woman to have some water to teaching her a valuable lesson. There are some today that teach we need to make friends prior to ever opening our mouth out uh, mouth up about the Bible. Make sure you have interest in common. This is not what we read in scriptures. The Word is the center of our life, and subsequently, it should be the center of our relationships. We must always be willing to take the conversation and introduce scriptural teachings, just like the example we have with Jesus. Lastly, let us consider one final point, and that is that we must be cautious of going too fast, too quickly. As we wrap up the Samaritan woman, notice in John chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. She was ready to have some of this living water. But Jesus stopped her. And sought to teach her more. This isn't saying that we need to teach people for days and months on end of everything we find in the Word of God. What this is teaching and what we see repeated throughout Scriptures is that there needs to be an understanding, an understanding of what is being done, what is being committed to. Even in Acts chapter 2, we see. That once they were pricked in their hearts and they were ready to respond, that the disciples, they taught. There needs to be an understanding of the cost. You will not find that on the TV, any TV or Internet station of megachurches that were so abundantly uh, seen. And this isn't about reaching some goal that we set up of numbers of how many are baptized in a year, in a month or in a time period. What this is, is making sure that we are sowing the seed, or casting the nets, and that those that are responding are listening to God's word and understand that there is a cost that we read about earlier to discipleships. Let's compare this in contrast to what we see in Matthew chapter 19 with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler was very excited just before this verse just like the Samaritan woman is. And Jesus asked another question. And this time Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell what you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. We need to make sure that those that we are seeking and to save through the power of Jesus that they understand what they're signing up for as a part of the process as well. We've been called to be fishers of men. Are we willing to leave everything behind us and have the greatest possession given to mankind? If so, I want to leave you with one final word of encouragement and warning. 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 10 through 11. We read, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God; if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen." We're stewards of what we have been given. And we need to be careful when we speak. We need to be prepared, just like any good fisherman is prepared, with the wisdom and the truth that is contained in Scriptures. Not of our own thinkings, not of our own reasons, reasonings, but of what God has supplied. The preparation of our work for fishers of men cannot go understated. When we speak, let it always be as the oracles of God. And none of this work is to our glory, but to the glory of God. If there are those that have accepted the gospel call to be fishers of men and have not been doing what we should or have a need, we're here to pray with you and for you. If there are those that want to be fishers of men, that invitation is not just when we meet together. It is when you understand the need of the calling to obey the gospel. If there's any need, please come forward as we stand and sing the invitation song.